0: I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 155 in which we tried new things and I'm recording this on Tuesday, April 22nd, 2014 if that matters. I want to start out by saying thank you to all of you for listening to this episode and a special welcome and shout out to any new listeners who are out there, welcome aboard. Thank you to anybody who's uh, left reviews in iTunes. I've not checked in the last couple of weeks to see whether there's any new ones there. But even if there's not, thank you to all of you who have. All of us podcasters always appreciate iTunes reviews and star reviews. It helps other people know what they might want to be listening to. So thank you for doing that as well. I don't actually have any announcements this episode, or if I do, I cannot remember for the life of me what they might be. So, in this episode, I'm going to give a little bit of a Sandy update in which I will be talking about the new thing that I tried this time, as well as giving a book review of a new book that I just bought recently, and then I will do some listener feedback. Fair warning I'm really fried. I'm really, really fried today. Um, I don't know why, but this weekend hit me really, really hard. I had both Friday and Monday off. I guess we're going into the Sandy Update portion of this podcast, so, you know, roll with me. Just work with me here. We'll we'll get to the end eventually, hopefully all in one piece. This past weekend was, in fact, Easter weekend, which my family does celebrate. I had both Friday and Monday off from work. Um, Friday, I was actually able to spend most of the day, well, not quite most of the day, but at least a significant chunk of the day in my sewing room. And I will be talking about the project that I finished on Friday a little bit later. I did also, um, my daughter was coming home from college that day, and she passes my mother-in-law's house, her grandmother's house on the way. And so she usually stops there for lunch on her way home, or sometimes she'll go there for breakfast on her way out back to school. Uh, But she stopped there for lunch on her way home, and then I met up with her and my mother-in-law at a local uh, garden nursery center uh, for their big kind of Easter weekend. It's still pretty early to be planting around here. We don't really plant here much before the middle of May or even the end of May. Memorial Day weekend is a really big planting uh, gardening day uh, here in western New York. But it's always nice to go see (laughs) what the possibilities are. And the Garden Factory, which is the name of the store, was doing kind of this thing and they had a petting zoo and they had ponies that kids could ride. And then they had a lot of um, Easter type plants out in containers and hanging baskets and all sorts of stuff. And I did pick up a few herbs because herbs are weeds and it's really hard to kill them. And so I'm going to be putting them probably in a container for now, because we haven't actually finished cleaning out our gardens yet from the winter. Uh, so I don't want to be planting new things before my husband's finished cleaning all the, the crud out of it, because it would just make it too hard for him to work around. So I'm probably just going to stick those in a, a container. Right now, they're all sitting out on my back patio. It's been beautifully warm all weekend. Today, it's still pretty warm. Um, and by warm, I mean it's been 60s, although yesterday, I believe it did get up to about 75 partway through the day. Usually this time of year, it's in the 60s, and we will take it. We love it here. Um, you know, <laughs> I tell you, it gets to 40 degrees, and everybody is out in their shirt sleeves and <laughs> and shorts already, because we are done with winter. Um, but I've been riding around with my windows down on my car and my sunroof open, and uh, Easter day... We had my husband's family over for Easter dinner, and we actually spent most of the afternoon out on the patio, which was just lovely. So it's been a beautiful weekend. Um, Again, back to the weekend, because we had everybody over on Sunday for dinner, I ended up spending most of Saturday doing kind of prep stuff and running errands and all that kind of thing. So I didn't get any sewing done Saturday. Um of course, didn't get any done Sunday. And I, I kept saying to myself, well, Monday will be my day. Monday will be my day because my daughter was going to be going back to school and my husband would be going back to work. I still had the day off. So I thought I'd have this nice quiet day at home. Well, then I get up um, Monday morning feeling like I got dro- dropped from a plane. <laughs> I was just exhausted after everything on Sunday. And, um, my daughter announced, you know, I've decided I'm going to stay an extra day. I don't have to be at my class today, so I'll go home Tuesday. And my husband said, you know, I've decided I'm not going to go into work today. I've still got a bunch of vacation days to use. A lot of people at work are already on vacation anyway, so I think I'm just going to stay home today. I was like, okay. <laughs> I love my family, but I was very quickly rearranging my day in my head. And then my husband asked if I would please go to the glasses store with him because he... um Needed to get new glasses and he didn't really want to pick them out himself. He wanted somebody's opinion about which ones he looked good in. And I was teasing him later that he buried his lead because what he said to me was, Honey, I, I'm, since I've got the day off and since you've got the day off, I'd love it. Um, why don't we go to Lens Crafters and then we will go out to lunch afterwards? And my all I heard was Lens Crafters. And I'm sorry, I hope nobody out there works for Lens Crafters. I hate Lens Crafters. I spent Hours and hours and hours and hours of my children's lifetime (laughs) sitting with them in LensCrafters. The whole thing about glasses ready in an hour, well, the glasses might be ready in an hour, but it takes you two to get there. So it's just, oh my word, I really hate LensCrafters. I wear glasses, but I don't go to LensCrafters for them. And I have such a mild prescription, it only changes once every 10 years anyway. So it's not a big deal. Uh, But all I heard him say was, I want you to spend your day off at (laughs) LensCrafters. Apparently, I didn't give him the most welcoming look <laughs> when he said it. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, want, I know you wanted to spend the day sewing. And I said, no, I don't have a problem with going out to lunch with you. It's you buried your lead. You buried the lunch behind going to Lens Crafters. So anyway, um, I had a, a small appointment I needed to go to first. So we met at Lens Crafters and it took us maybe 15 minutes tops for him to pick out which glasses he was going to get. And then I left. I'm like, I am so not sitting here with you. I'm sorry, honey, you're in this up to your neck. This is, these are your glasses. I'm gone. <laughs> and so I took the time to walk the mall and, and just pick up some steps. I wasn't shopping or anything. I was just walking. I was exhausted. So I have to say I wasn't walking top speed, but I did manage to pick up, I think, a total of like 3,000 extra steps or so. So I was glad I did that. And then we had a very nice lunch. And over lunch, he got talking uh, we've needed a new dishwasher oh probably for 2 years ours works but we have to rewash a lot of dishes and we've had it repair well we've had people in to, to have it repaired they couldn't find anything it has no filters it's a self cleaning filter so I, I think it's the self cleaning filter just busted but nobody ever found anything wrong we changed uh, we did everything we could do it just was no longer cleaning. Glasses is mostly what you noticed it on. So every time we ran a load, we'd end up rewashing all the um, glasses by hand. Um, and we kept trying to put glasses in there because it, it was hit or miss. You know, it wasn't every single time. Sometimes they'd come out okay and then the next two times you'd have to wash them by hand. Then you'd get two good times and then you'd get one time without. Uh, so anyway, while we were sitting at lunch, he started saying, now maybe we really should get a new dishwasher because we had just spent a day and a half cleaning up from Easter dinner and running multiple loads through the dishwasher. And I think it sort of pushed him over the edge. And my husband is one that I have to kind of strike while the iron's hot. The minute he says, yeah, maybe we really should get something. I'm like, "Okay, let's go look. You know, because if I say, no, no, I'm too tired today, it'll be six months again before the conversation ever comes up. So um, I said, well, you know, do you want to go look for one now? And he was like, well, okay, I guess since we're already out. So we did end up buying a dishwasher, which was nice. Um, It's not here yet. We're waiting for it to be delivered, but we will soon have a new dishwasher. Um, And the other benefit to getting a dishwasher now is because all of our appliances are the same age. I've talked about this on this podcast before. So we really need to stagger them, which means maybe once in a while buying an appliance before the old one really has completely bit the dust so that we're trying to get them onto different schedules rather than everything being the same age. Um, So anyway, that meant I didn't get home on Monday until about 2 or 2.30 and I was just bone-numbingly tired by then. So I sat on the couch intending to only take maybe 20 minutes of a break and kind of get my energy back up and go up and sew. And I I was unconscious. (laughs) I fell asleep on the couch. (laughs) I was out for like an hour and my daughter very politely didn't change the channel or anything. She kept watching what I was watching because she wasn't quite sure when I'd wake up and sort of cue back into the TV. Um, but I did finally kind of wake back up and decided, well, I probably don't really feel up to sewing. And I went out on the patio and read for an hour. And then we all as a family went to see um, Captain America. I was the only one at that point who had not yet seen it. So Monday didn't end up being the sew day that I wanted, um, But it was a very relaxing day, and it was nice to spend time with my family, and I got a new dishwasher out of the deal, so not altogether a bad thing. Um, Sunday was very, very nice. We had a nice time with family, and like I said, we were out on the patio in beautiful weather. So all in all, it was a very nice weekend. It was an extraordinarily busy weekend. Um, Even with as low-key as yesterday was, I'm still really tired today. Um... Fortunately, work was quiet. My daughter went back to school this morning. My husband was back to work. Um, And for my job, I'm doing stuff that's really just me focused. It's not having to deal with a lot of different details and a lot of different things. It's kind of one single project at a time. So I was able to really focus and get some stuff done today, as tired as I am. So that was all good. I do have my design study group tonight, so I'm trying to get my energy back up um, because we're a fun bunch and I don't want to be sitting there like a lump in the corner when we are together. Um, So the rest of my Sandy update, that was my weekend. Uh, Let's just say I just got the information I needed to get started on a certain secret project that if you've been listening to the last few months of episodes, you can probably guess what it is. Woohoo! But my lips are sealed. I'm not going to say any more about that. Um, just know that I'm getting started on something that at some point you will find out more about. I did get my um, purple scarves dyed. I mentioned in the last episode, I believe, that I was doing a boatload, well, a bunch, a small boatload, a kayak full <laughs> of, of purple scarves for an event I'm going to be at next week. I got those all done. I've only got to press the last two or three. Um, they turned out very nicely. I'm very pleased with the color. I did end up using grape for any of you who are following along in your user manuals. Um, the the grape is really a nice purple for what I needed to do, and the scarves all turned out quite nicely, so I'm pleased with that. Um, and, okay, my project that I got finished, and one of the things I do want to talk a little bit about on this, because I taught myself, well, I didn't I used a tutorial to learn how to do a new thing. For design study group tonight, as I mentioned in the last episode, um, our our challenge for this week was luminosity. And so I had a hand-dyed tapestry piece. It's about what I call tapestry because it's a, a piece of hand-dyed fabric of a larger size that I never planned to cut. And I have five or six of them, I think, now. And they're a half-yard fabric, so they're around about 18 inches wide, thereabouts, and then roundabouts 42 to 44 inches wide, or tall. Um, And this one, I used blue and green and yellow. Well, I'm sorry, I used blue and yellow in the dye bath, and then it melded in the middle to be green. And so from the top to the bottom, it has a little bit of green at the top, but then this kind of bright yellow with a little bit of more golden yellow splashed through it that kind of mixes in with the green and goes back and forth some spots are only yellow some are more the green yellow and then it moves into a darker and darker green and then you've got some blue down at the bottom and it's kind of a royal blue um, with a darker emerald green around it so I, I've i always thought of this piece of fabric as a walk in the woods and so that's what I created it as and all I did on it um, for the design study group project was I just machine quilted it. I free motion quilted a leaf pattern, sort of a, it kind of looks like a philodendron. Because what I was thinking of is when I had the opportunity to be in Puerto Rico a couple of times for work, and I was struck. I am a philodendron girl. I have had philodendron plants in my life since I was a child. <laughs> Was You know, some people might talk about their first pets. My first pet was a cat. My first plant was a philodendron. And I had a philodendron from elementary school all the way through. That thing came to my college dorm room with me. And I had, for whatever reason, I don't remember why, I had staked it. So instead of most philodendrons that you see here in the U.S. are, you know, they have kind of small leaves and they're uh, droopy uh, hanging plants. I had staked mine upright. And as it grew up, the stake that I had it attached to, the leaves got huge. I had some leaves that were at least as big as my hand, if not larger on that. And I always thought, well, that's kind of a weird, unique thing. Well, I go to Puerto Rico. They grow in the wild in Puerto Rico and talk about big leaves. I mean, these are the size of serving platters. (laughs) It has huge leaves. And I was just in heaven because I've just always had a strange sentimental attachment to the philodendron. (laughs) So anyway, that was sort of the shape of leaf that I used. That's all a long story. Uh, So this, a walk in the woods kind of started feeling to me like a walk in the woods in Puerto Rico um, with these leaves that kind of just dangle all over it. And I used a beautiful variegated thread. I had debated changing the color of the thread from the bottom to the top because the bottom like I said the bottom green is more of an emerald green and the top green is more of a yellow green and so I had debated changing I have another green variegated that's more of a true green um, but I really loved the variegated I was using it's one of the same ones I used on my stupendous stitching and it's um, i trying to look at the spool of thread from across the room here it's kind of an emerald green with sort of a purpley blue and a yellow variegation. So on, it's all the colors that are already in this tapestry piece of hand-dyed fabric, um, but it stands out. So when you look at the bottom half, you can kind of see the yellow and green standing out because the blue blends in, but then when you get up to the top half, you can see the blue and green standing out where the yellow blends in. So it, it makes you makes it look like you have actually used different threads, which is the beauty of using variegated threads. Um, and I was actually really pleased with my machine quilting. You know, I've been machine quilting for years, but very hit and miss. I don't do a lot of it yet because I haven't been really confident in it yet, and in this one I decided to just haul off. I did mark a little bit at the beginning just so I'd have a sense of what direction I needed to head in, but that was only maybe the first six inches eight inches of vine and from there I was just kind of going and so there are a couple of places where it got a little bit wonky here and there but you don't see it unless you're right up on top of it with a magnifying glass studying every inch Uh, you can see it from the back (laughs) because I used the same thread in the bobbin because I didn't want to run risks of anything pulling through to the top and the backing is a very light gray so you can see the quilting you know dead on it's right there and so you can see more you know The slight wonkiness. And it is wonky. It can't even really be called whimsical. (laughs) There's other places where, yeah, I went a little bit off route and you could call it whimsical. There's other places it's clearly just wonked. Um, But that being said, I'm still really pleased overall with the way it worked. Well, as I'm, you know, working on the machine quilting, I'm kind of pondering, all right, how am I gonna finish this off? What kind of binding am I gonna do? Am I gonna do a regular binding? If so, what fabric would I use? What colors would I go with? But I didn't want anything that was gonna detract from the hand-dyed. I really wanted that hand-dyed design to be really pretty much all you see, um, or at least the main thing you see. And I was thinking fusible. I was thinking about actually dying another piece um, to use as binding and trying to figure out how would I do that? and Um, you know, what colors would I do it or whatever. And finally decided, you know what I really wanted, I've always wanted to try, and I haven't done it yet, is a faced binding. Um, Those of you who are garment sewers probably know what facing is. I'm not a garment sewer. I detest garment sewing. Don't get me started. I think I've talked about that before on this podcast. Um, So I've never done a facing. And I had seen over the years, you know, in books and magazines and and blogs and stuff, people talking about face bindings, but I'd never really understood exactly how you go about doing it. I had had people tell me, oh yeah, it's easy. So I'm like, okay, well, if people say it's easy, then maybe it actually is easy. (laughs) So when I got all my quilting done, um, I sat down and just Googled, you know, faced bindings for art quilts. And I found a couple of very helpful tutorials. And what I ended up doing was sort of... um, Well, I ended up using, I guess, one. I was going to combine two different ones, and then I found a third one that actually was already the combination of the two. And so the main tutorial I used, and I will put this link in the show notes to the episode, is um, from Blue Moon River blog. And she is an art quilt. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't write down her name. Um, But Blue Moon River is the name. It's bluemoonriver.com or bluemoonriver.blogspot.com. And part of what's really nice is she has already posted a PDF version of her tutorial. So I was able to just print it right off and take it over to my cutting table with me. Hang on, it's bothering me that I don't know her name. I'm going to look this up quick. I'll be right back. I knew I knew it. Susan Brewbaker Knapp, K-N-A-P-P. She's a very well-known art quilter. I knew it was somebody I knew and I just couldn't come up with who it was. Um, in any case, she has three, di- well, three that I found different PDFs um, on Faced bindings. One is a mitered faced binding. The other one is a non mitered faced binding. And then the third one technically isn't a face binding, it's a pillowcase turn binding, but that's another way. And, and all these do is they allow you to bind and finish your quilt without anything showing on the edge or the front. So it provides this just very clean finished edge and some art quilts need that. Some need the frame of the binding. There are some that that binding just provides the perfect finishing touch. You want that kind of a narrow frame or even a wider frame. Um, I've done some wider binding sometimes if I needed to balance something out a little bit more, but there's times when you don't want a a binding showing at all, and that's what I really wanted on this tapestry. So I did my very first ever faced binding, and it turned out beautifully. I am thrilled, and yes, indeed, it was actually pretty easy. Uh, The only thing is there was one part of her instructions that were not clear to me. And so I ended up just skipping it. It was a step at the very end. And I'm going to be bringing the instructions as they were written with me, the PDF printout, with me to my design study group tonight, because there's a woman that's part of our design study group who I believe has told me she has done faced bindings. So I want her to look at these instructions and tell me, was I really misunderstanding them was, you know, if I'd done them exactly the way they were written, would it have turned out okay? Or is there something missing? I think there's something missing or she put something in the wrong order. Because the whole point of having the faced binding is that nothing shows on the front, no lines of stitching, nothing. It's all, you sew the binding onto the front, but then you pull it around the back in such a way that it pulls it all underneath to the back. Hard to describe. (laughs) You'll have to look at the link to see how this all works. Um, but then in her description, it sound, it read to me like then she had me folding something to the back and then stitching it down, in which case stitching shows up on the front, which is not what you want. So I think there's something in the wrong order in that PDF. And if that's the case, if as I work it through with uh, my friend at my meeting tonight, if it's truly that something looks like it's just wrong in these instructions, I will email back Susan Brewbreaker Nap and say, hey, I tried to use these instructions and this didn't look like it was going to work to me. You know, am I just reading it wrong or what? So that she's aware, and if there is a change that needs to be made, she can make it. Um, I'm always assuming I'm the one who's just reading it wrong because these people know what they're doing and they've done it a gazillion times. On the other hand, it is hard to write directions, <laughs> so it's possible there's just a mistake. In any case, um just to try to talk you through a little bit, what you do is you cut your binding strip pretty much. It's pretty the one she suggested was more or less close to the same size that I use on my regular bindings. Um, but I I usually cut, well, I use a lot of two and a half inch strips because I've already got them. Um, and then I fold them in half, so I've got a double folded binding. This, I think I cut a two inch two or two and a quarter. I think it was a two inch strip, but you don't fold it. You just use it plain. And then you fold over a quarter inch to the wrong, so wrong sides together. So you're folding, um, you're making yourself kind of a hem, and you press that down. And then you sew the other side to the front of the the quilt um, using a quarter inch seam. And then you sew again on the inside between the quarter inch seam and the edge of the quilt. You sew another seam that's like at an eighth inch. So you're sewing two seams on the front. But that just helps you roll it over. And then you pull that fabric, the binding you just sewed on, all the way over to the back, and it actually rolls the front of the quilt back a little bit and, you know, kind of seals it. And then you hand sew it down on the back. Now, the other thing I could have done, I did hand sew mine down, and I was thinking after I'd gotten about 20 inches into it, I thought, dang it, I could have just used fusible. <laughs> I've got I've got the quarter inch fusible strips, and I could have just fused... The quilt down that way and it would have been a heck of a lot faster. Even that, you know, it's not that huge a piece. It didn't take me that long to hand sew it. But I am sold on this faced binding. I'm definitely, that's now a tool in my toolbox that I can pull out when I need it. Um, it is very simple. I did the non-mitered version only because the the fabric I was using for the binding was the same that i'd used for the backing and i did not have quite enough left to do the mitered version but i did have enough left to do the non-mitered so that's why i choose chose to do it where you just basically kind of overlap it on the back um you know a mitered one would look better for shows that kind of thing but i was two inches too short so who cared you know i was going to do it the the other way that way um So if you have not done a faced binding, I would highly recommend you check it out. It would be good for any quilt. I mean, there's any number of quilts that, traditional designs, modern designs, that maybe you don't want to have that binding look along the outside. And so you might want to teach yourself how to do a faced binding. I'm really glad I tried it. I was thrilled with the way it turned out. I'm really happy with this project overall. Um, Honestly, it's been the first project I've done in a while that I just loved doing Pretty much every second of it, so I had a lot of fun with that, and I will be posting pictures of it. I knew I couldn't post pictures before tonight because I do have a couple of people from um, my design study group who do sometimes follow my blog. They're not religious followers of my blog, but they are. um, They frequently will poke their heads in, and so I didn't want to do any reveals before the reveal tonight. But I will post um, pictures tomorrow, hopefully, of that project. And again, I'm, I'm just really glad it worked out, and it is. It, there is something different about making a project that's also my own hand eyes. You know, it's sort of like I made this thing from beginning to end. You know, it's just, it's really fun. So, um, that it was just a ball. I really enjoyed this project. So, looking forward to posting the pictures of it. Um, another thing I used, and I think I've talked about this before on this podcast, but just as a note, when I was doing the uh, machine quilting on it, free motion machine quilting. I did use my Supreme slider and I really love it. If you've not tried a Supreme, Supreme slider yet, I would suggest you might want to test it out. Um, all it is, is it's kind of a self-adhesive. It's it's just one of those things that's kind of tacky on the back, but it doesn't leave any residue. You know, it's just kind of a vinyl thing that you slap down <laughs> on your uh, machine. And it covers the throat plate. It's got a hole in it where your needle goes. And all it does is it makes it easier for you to slide your fabric over it or your quilt sandwich over it while you're quilting. And it it does work beautifully. Um, Mine had been sitting out on my sewing desk for a while because I've used it for a couple of other projects recently, but it had been sitting out for a while. So it, it had gotten the back of it where it's supposed to stick down had gotten really dusty and it had no sticky left in it. All I did was wash it off. You just wipe it off with water. I think I actually used a little bit of nail polish remover because I happen to have one sitting nearby. Um, And I just wiped it down and it was immediately, it was like brand new. So, you know, don't ever worry if you feel like that's starting to lose your sticky, just wipe it down with water and you're good to go. Um, I have in the past also used the, I think they're called bobbin washers for free motion quilting. You put them in your bobbin case underneath the bobbin itself. And it's supposed to make your bobbin spin more freely. I have actually found it's made my bobbin spin a little bit too freely. And I end up with thread nuts all over the place because the bobbins fly in top speed (laughs) because of that bobbin washer. So I have stopped using bobbin washers. It all depends on your machine. This is one of those things that some of you may find the bobbin washer saves your machine quilting life. And other people may find like me, it really just complicates things. So just try it out. Um, you know, I, I do have these bobbin washers I'm not using. Um, I guess some may, maybe I can offer them as a giveaway at some point <laughs> or something. Right now, I'm not trying to get to the, you know, do any giveaways right now. I'm giving myself a little bit of a break because I had a couple in quick succession. Um, but maybe at some point I'd be willing to off those to anybody else who might find them more useful. So those are a couple of quick product reviews in the other. Um, I did want to give a book review today. I bought myself um, a book that I want to talk about. And I've got on pre-order another book, and I think I just ordered the third book. I I kind of think of them as almost a trilogy. Uh, The book I'm going to review in this episode is called In the Studio with Angela Walters. It was published in 2012 by Stash Books, and its subheading is Machine Quilting Design Concepts, Add Movement, Contrast, Depth, and More, and it includes 10 Modern Quilt Projects. Um, I'd been, I'd had my eyes on this one for a while. Um, I believe I saw it, first saw it in the bookstore in the National Quilt Museum when I was in Paducah last year, I think is maybe where I first noticed it. Um, and I've, you know, kind of glanced at it, thought, do I wanted to get it or not? And then I was trying to hold off buying books. And I finally just recently just ordered it. Um, at first, when I first sat down to go through it, I wasn't as excited about the book as, as I thought I'd be. But as soon as I realized that I was like, well, what did I I think I was going to get out of the book. I couldn't quite figure out what my expectations had been that weren't being met. But as I kept going back to it and reading it again and and kind of flipping through to other chapters and then starting back from the beginning and going through it again, it really grew on me. And I realized it has a lot of food for thought. Um, Plus, it finally gave me the inspiration I really needed for a project I've got coming up, but I'll talk about more about that in a little bit. it's definitely not a how-to, and that could have been maybe I was expecting a first you put your needle down here and you move in this direction and then you go that direction in this other direction. That's not this book. Um, it's more of an intuitive book. It's She suggests themes, she dr- suggests directions to consider, and then you jump off from there. Um, in the introduction, she does say if you know Angela Walters, you know she's an, a long-armor. That's really what she does, but she does also make the point that, you know, this book is written for anybody. You do not have to be a, a long armor in order to use the designs in this book. Now, that being said, there are some designs that are a little bit easier to do on a long arm than on a domestic. If they're long, linear ones, that those you know, you're not going to be moving your quilt through your machine quite as easily as you could be on a long arm, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. It can still happen. Um, so this book is appropriate either way. Uh, I will let you know what the chapters are. You're going to hear me flipping pages here. Um, There's, of course, a preface and an introduction, but then the chapters are Quilting Tells a Story, where she talks about using the background story of the quilt as design inspiration, and she talks about quilting cursive and block letters. The next chapter is Quilting Add Movements, and this is talking about using designs that give the look of motion or kind of developing the flow of a quilt through the quilting Uh, The next chapter is Quilting Creates Depth and Dimension. She talks about the illusion of layers and suggesting depth and blocks through your quilting. Uh, The next chapter, Quilting Fills in the Details, which is about changing the look of a quilt completely by attending to those details, um, defining the pattern, adding some realism through your quilting. The next chapter, Quilting Puts the Focus on the Piecing stitching in the ditch to emphasize the piecing and pressing know-how so that one's that one is probably the more basic of the chapters the rest of them are a little bit more advanced not not advanced but um that one you know was stitching in the ditch and talking about the piecing itself i i've when i got to that chapter i was like really i would have gone there first i mean <laughs> that to me would have been the first chapter but anyway um quilting makes the quilt is another chapter the quilting as the centerpiece using stencils she talks more about marking in that chapter And creating your own designs. Uh, The next chapter, quilting provides contrast, using pattern and color to create contrast, playing up the existing contrast. Um, The next chapter, quilting supplies texture, enhancing artistry with texture, and tips for producing great texture. Another chapter, quilting adds color, and in this one she talks more about thread, and she talks about making a thread book and then putting color to work, how to use color in quilting in your um, quilt, and then the last chapter is quilting gives a sense of scale. Stitching a pattern in graduated sizes, choosing designs, mixing two designs, and that kind of thing. So it, each chapter has a particular focus, and then through the chapter, she sprinkles in some of that kind of stuff you might be used to finding in machine quilting books about threads and about how to mark and how to stencil. They're kind of spread throughout. Um, each chapter then also has a project with it. with you know, the, the amount of fabric, the cutting instructions, how to make the quilt, and then quilting ideas. So if you want patterns, you got 10 of them here. They're all modern quilts. They're they're nice patterns. I'm unlikely to make any of the patterns. That's not what I got this book for. Um, but they are nice patterns. I didn't have a problem with any of them. I cannot speak to, are the directions good? Because like I said, I'm not making the patterns. so <laughs> I didn't go through them in that level of detail. Uh, but I will definitely be going back to this in the future for quilting ideas. Now, that being said, the book does assume you already know how to machine quilt. She does not spend much time at all, if any, explaining techniques. This is purely design. So if you haven't done any machine quilting at all yet, you might want to start somewhere else. And in fact, I did go back and I ordered her other book, which I think probably, although it was published at about the same time, I think that's probably more of a starter manual. It's called Free Motion Quilting with Angela Walters, Choose and Use Quilting Designs on Modern Quilts. When I was on Amazon and did the look inside this book um, part on that book, it did look like it had more specific how-to. You know, here's how you machine quilt. Here's how you do this particular design. Arrows going, you know, which direction you need to go where. Um, like I said, I did go ahead and I now that I've got this In the studio book, I did go back and order that book because sometimes I do have problems visually breaking down a design to know, you know, which way is it best for me to go in order to be successful making this quilt. Again, a lot of that's just practice and the more of it I do, the easier it'll be for me to break down that quilt, that design. Um, But sometimes I need just a little help to get started. So I think I'll find more of that in the Free Motion Quilting book. Uh, The other one I've ordered is not, I've pre-ordered it because it's not actually out yet. Um, free motion quilting workbook angela Walters show you shows you how and that one's due to be published may 1st I've had it pre-ordered for a little while um, that one she describes as a guided sketchbook again it's not a how-to book it's tips and suggestions for how to quilt different parts of a quilt examples of quilting and designs etc and then room for you to do your own sketching in the book um, I think it it strikes me that kind of what she's decided is that the market is sort of saturated with books about how to machine quilt. I mean, I've, I own several. There's a boatload out there. Everybody's got a little different take on it, but it's basically, you know, here's the threads you need. Here's how you set up your machine. There's a ton of books already out there doing it. And so what she's trying to do is fill in the gaps. What hasn't been done so much. And there are some good books out there about how to choose quilting designs. Um, And again, I own a couple of them, but I I found hers, this in the studio, like I said, when I first read it, I thought, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But then as I kept going back to it, I kept thinking, well, actually, maybe this is more what I need than what I thought I was (laughs) going to get. Because for me, it's, I know how to machine quilt, for pity's sake. I've read everything. I've done every, I've done a lot of classes. (laughs) I know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just a matter of doing it, first of all, getting the practice. And then it's the where I get stuck a little bit is envisioning what design to use where. And she's really good at helping you think through that, through these books, through her Craftsy class. I've got a Craftsy class as well. Um, she's helping, She's very good at helping you break down a quilt, break down the blocks, break down what the components are and figure out, you know, kind of where you want to go with each segment and how to make the quilt really look good. Um Again, there are other books out there about that. I probably own a lot of them. I just want to let you know now about Angela Walters. Um, I really like Angela Walters. I think she's one of the, the better voices that's come on the um, on the scene in recent years. Um, she's very good at how she describes things. Her class, her craftsy class is really good, but I'll be doing a review of that later when I've actually finished it. Um, and I really like the way her books are set up. So I do recommend this book, In the Studio with Angela Walters. Um, But again, if you've never machine quilted before, this is not the book you want to start with. It is definitely one you probably want to have on your shelf pretty darn soon because it is really good in terms of inspiration and choosing quilting designs. And of course, just looking at the quilting designs she has gives you ideas for designs you can use. She's just not going to give you the little arrows that point out how to do it. Um, So that's my review of the book. I I do like it quite a bit. I'm going to keep going back to it and keep studying it more and more. You know, it's it's one of those things I don't know what to compare it to. Maybe wine? <laughs> how how Angela Walters is like wine. Um it's it like I said it wasn't what I expected when I first got it and I felt that kind of sense of a little bit of disappointment after I'd flipped through it the first time and kind of scanned through it. But then as I went back and let myself kind of really dive into it and really read through what she was saying and kind of think through my process, it it really grew on me. Sort of like the first time I tried wine, I hated it. <laughs> I really had to kind of learn there's a whole lot of different kinds of wine and how wine interacts with different foods and, and all of that kind of stuff. And and now, you know, yeah, I think wine's kind of cool. I love the chemistry behind it. So um, I guess in that respect, yes, Angela Walters is like a fine glass of wine. <laughs> I don't know if I'll write that in my review on Amazon, however. um, Now, to talk a little bit about that commission project that I got inspiration for. Um, A woman that I work with, one of our volunteer uh, board members, has essentially, she asked if she could commission me to make a a high school graduation gift for her daughter. Uh, Her daughter is graduating from high school and she's going to college for music to focus on vocals. She's got a beautiful singing voice. I've, her daughter has come to our events and I've heard her sing and and I love her. She's just a pip. <laughs> I love her daughter too. So I was glad to say, yes, I am not going to have her actually pay me for this because I, I get squirrely about the commissioning thing. Um, once somebody pays me for something, I have to make sure they're going to love it, what they get. Whereas if I do it as a gift, they have to like it whether or not they like it or not. So this is, that's just my own head. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this gift, I'm going to send it to her, and then I'm going to ask her if she would really like to contribute um, to, you know, quote-unquote pay for it to make a contribution to our organization instead. So that'll make me feel better about it, and she'll still feel like she's, you know, able to contribute something to me through the organization. Uh, So anyway, that's a whole backstory for this. Um, When I asked her, because she knows I do both hand dyeing and quilting, and she's seen, you know, both of what I've done, And so I asked her, well, are you saying you want me to hand dye something or you want me to quilt something? And she goes, oh, either, whichever you want to do. She has given me no parameters for this. She just wants me to do something. So I was really waffling for a long time. Now we had this conversation back in, oh, October, I think. And her daughter's graduating probably May, maybe June. I don't know exactly when her school year ends. Um. But I've been kind of, you know, every now and then I sit and think about it and, okay, what am I going to do? And I kind of flip through some things to try to get some ideas and nothing's really grabbed me until I was sitting down with this book in the studio with Angela Walters. And suddenly one of the chapters made me think, of course, that's what I'm going to do. Um, in the chapter where she talks about using, I think it's actually in her texture chapter. If I can flip through quickly and find it here. No, it's not. Um, Still flipping... She has a chapter in which she does, there it is, a whole cloth quilt. It's a. Of course, it's in the chapter uh, named Quilting Makes the Quilt. And the chapter heading is sometimes the quilting wants to be more than just another layer of art or the last thought. Sometimes it wants to be the star of the quilt. So what she does, the quilted project in that is a word, where she did a word in script, and then quilted around it so it brought the word out in relief. And then she also quilted the word itself, but she quilted it in a significantly different, each letter in a different um, scale than what's behind it to make it really stand out. And then on top of that, she went in and used, I think she used paint sticks, um, Shiva paint sticks, to color in the word so it stands out even more from the background. Um, And what I've decided I'm gonna do and it's, it, it actually immediately brought, I believe it's Jackie of So Excited Quilts had recently done a similar thing where she did a whole cloth quilt with a word. Jackie, was that you? I think it was you. Um, I loved watching Jackie's progress on that as well and what she ended up doing. And the, and the she even described in some cases kind of the hitches she had where things she had done she didn't like so well, so how she fixed them later. So that was really helpful information. Um And so what I've decided I'm going to do is that same idea. I'm going to use, I'm going to do both hand-dyed and quilted. I'm going to use one of my hand-dyed backgrounds. I've just got to figure out which one would work best. And then... um this family is very churched. Church is a very important part, a huge part of their life. And so I found a um, very short scripture verse. I was telling my daughter the day I was looking for it. I was like, I want to find a scripture on song, but it's got to be really short because I've got to be able to fit it on this quilt. And I don't want to have a bunch of letters I'm dealing with. So I found a, a good verse that I'm going to use. And I'm going to do essentially what Angela Walters and Jackie did. and And kind of decide what font I'm gonna use and how I'm gonna write the word out and then quilt all around it. And then I will probably go in as Angela Walters did and use paint sticks somewhere, you know, either on the lettering or maybe just a highlight or make the background look a little more dimensional, something, I'm gonna do something with that. Um, So actually I have to start this project relatively soon because again, that daughter's gonna be graduating from high school anytime soon. I do think I'll be able to post pictures of that on my blog because to the best of my knowledge, her mother does not follow my blog. Uh, So I don't think that'll be a problem. So as I work my way through that, I will share the process with you. I'm I'm really looking forward to doing that now. I think it'll be a great way for me to try some new things and hopefully not totally screw them up because this is supposed to be a gift for somebody (laughs) Um, to play around with new techniques and also get a lot more experience in machine quilting while I'm doing it. And yes, I do know I have practiced sandwiches. I'll practice stitches on other places first. But the reality is, until you sit down to do it, I'm not going to do one all on muslin or something to make sure I get it done right first and then do a second one. I'm just going to do the thing. (laughs) I might practice individual stitches on another sheet, but I'm not going to take the time to do two of these just to make sure the second one's good. Um, I have enough faith in myself to think it'll be good enough. You know, as Francis says, the muggles will never know. So that's my book review and what I was inspired to do from it. So I do recommend, again, in the studio with Angela Walters, I will put a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Um, I think, you know, by virtue of extension of the same basic theme and the same author, that I would also recommend Free Motion Quilting with Angela Walters and the Free Motion Quilting Workbook, But until I have both of them and can read through them, I can't let you know that for sure. I will keep you posted. Uh, But like I said, I do kind of think of this as a trilogy now (laughs) from Angela Walters on machine quilting. Um, And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to having all three books in my library. And with that being said, let's go to some listener feedback. Okay, I don't have a ton of listener feedback this week. It's been a busy week. I think a lot of people have stuff going on, so... No fears. I would like to say thank you to June, who commented on my post about sprouting purple scarves. Um, Pardon the background noise of me getting email. Uh, June said she really likes the punch of the boysenberry, especially next to the grape. And she says, we must be on the same color streak. Two of the bigger pieces that I recently dyed were done using Dharma's grape color of fiber-reactive dye. These pieces are intended as backings for two other hand-dyed projects. I look forward to seeing more of your dyed fabrics. (laughs) Yeah, apparently we are. We're all doing... Grape is all over the place, apparently, in the hand-dyed world right now. It's It's a gorgeous color. I really do like that particular purple. Um, June also commented on my ice-dyed neutrals report, and she says since she lived in the Phoenix area, she's not had the opportunity to try snow dye, but she is a big fan of ice dye, and she likes the ice-dyed neutrals version one. It looks like the color she tends to gravitate towards. She's anxious to experiment with more varieties of colors and combos. And it's funny, I'm finding myself now looking at what dyes I want differently. Um, When I was going to uh, Lancaster, I specifically wanted to build up my collection of all the pure dyes because the pure dyes are the ones that are easier to mix. I shouldn't say easier. When you mix them to get other colors, you you can tell a little bit more when you're going to get because there's not a bunch of colors all blended together. It's a pure dye. But the, um, the mixed colors, the mixed dyes are far more interesting in terms of ice dyeing. And so it's it's now I'm kind of starting to think when I'm at you know, looking at dyes, okay, what would that break down as if I did it over ice? So <laughs> it's a whole different way of, of assessing your dyes. Um and I did just buy another die, went to an art supply store here locally on Saturday to pick up some stuff. And they do carry just a small handful of the Procyon MX dyes. I think they're um Jacquard brand. Although they might have also had some dharma there. But anyway, I did end up buying one that's um, an antique gold, I think was the name of it. And it's a mixed dye. So I'm anxious to ice dye that and see what it breaks down into. I might get to that maybe this weekend. Um, Rose said, uh, commented on episode 154, in which I'm luminous and thready. Um, and she really enjoyed the information on thread. And She says, she too is an orophil girl, though she has used YLI with some success. And she says, I have started to use Presencia 60 slash 3 for precision piecing as it's a wee bit finer, even than the Orophil 50, but still strong. I've never tried the Presencia. I've seen it um, in magazines. Mostly I've seen ads for it, but I've never tried it. And it is true. 60 would be thinner than 50. So it's good to know that it would, also, but it's also very strong. So I may try that as well. Although I don't know. I'm an girl. girl. I tend to be loyal that way. And thank you to Ms. Lottie, um, who commented also on the same episode. And she says, Gloria Lauman is the one who I think about when you talk about luminosity. I've been thinking for a while that a sense of light and luminosity is what is missing in my quilt. So I enjoyed looking at your Pinterest search. And I'm an aura girl too, but it's fun to play. Um, And she also said, thank you for the shout out for her blog and her podcast. And of course, Lottie, um, again, That's the Slightly Mad Quilt Lady, I believe. I didn't look it up. I think that's the name of her podcast, but again, look at my last episode and you'll see the links to it there. It is a lot of fun to listen to you, Lottie. And again, Lottie is also a hand dyer, so I really enjoy reading her blog and seeing the pictures of what she's doing. And she also sent me um, pictures of her hand stitching some of this dyed batting. I think I talked about that on the last episode as well, that she's been dying batting too, which has inspired me to next time I'm in my dye studio, I might throw some batting in there too and <laughs> see what I come out with. Um, and Lottie did in her comment on episode 154, leave a link to the Gloria Laumann um, website and gallery. So you want to go back and check that out too. And I believe Gloria Lauman also has a class on Craftsy, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've looked at it a few times on landscapes. I don't own it yet. Can you believe it? There's actually a quilting class I don't own. There's several. So that's it for this episode. That's all I got. That's all I got. And I made it through without too many embarrassing slip-ups. Um, I don't actually know when I'm going to get another podcast out because I leave Sunday and I'm gone a full week. I'm home for the following weekend, but then I've got a an event where I've got conference calls every night for a full week the following week. So I'm hoping I get an episode out next weekend. But you may not hear from me for a couple of weeks. You know, I've I've learned that when I get really busy like that, sometimes I just have to hunker down <laughs> and focus and not try to do everything. So I may not get a podcast out in a couple of weeks. But the upside to that is, is it means if I'm not podcasting, I'm doing one of two things. I'm sleeping or I'm actually sewing, which gives me more to talk about in my next podcast. <laughs> Hopefully by missing some podcasts, you'll get better content next time. Um, so I guess that means until next time, you can always talk to me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. I'm also Sandy Quilts on Craftsy, although you cannot yet search for username on Craftsy. Still a feature request, I've put in a couple times, would love it if they could do it. Uh, You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And please do, I love looking at your pictures there. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on quilting for the rest of us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.